Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me and for being a part of this incredible community. Whether you're a longtime listener of the show or this is your very first time tuning in, I'm so glad you found us and I'm truly grateful to welcome you here today. This show is all about creating our best lives through small but mighty steps and I absolutely love that we get to embark on this journey together. If you've experienced your share of burnout lately, as I know I have, this episode is for you. This week, our guest is Angela D. Coleman, a holistic health expert and founder of the global nonprofit Sisterhood Agenda. Angela has written more than 20 books, including her latest, The Art of Chilling Out for Women, which I highly recommend if you haven't read it already. In this episode, Angela shares practical strategies to embrace self-care, slow down, and create balance in our lives. We talk about creating powerful affirmations for healing and restoration, ways to ground ourselves in nature, how to foster greater self-awareness, tips for protecting our energy, and so much more. It's a really important conversation and one that I know that I personally needed to have, so I hope it resonates with you just as much as it resonated with me. I'd like to thank Laird Superfood for sponsoring this episode. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm always on the go and looking for quick lifestyle shifts that can make a major impact on my health. That is why I love Laird Superfood products. I'm a big fan of their functional mushroom coffee with chaga and lion's mane. It's a great way to boost my energy for the day while getting a lot more out of my cup. All Laird products are sustainably sourced and thoroughly tested to ensure that you're incorporating the cleanest, finest fuel into your routine. They offer a variety of snacks and supplements full of wholesome plant-based ingredients to keep you charged for wherever life takes you. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com slash Wanderlust and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code Wanderlust at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. All right, my friends, now let's dive into this week's conversation. Angela, thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. Thank you for having me, Valerie. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You've written a book about something that many of us struggle with, and I'm so excited to start talking with you about it and learn more about your journey. Before we get into that, why don't you first just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your wellness journey to now? Well, sure. I mean, my wellness journey is pretty multifaceted, like I think most people's are. I didn't grow up eating the healthiest of food. That might be generational. It might be specific to my household. (laughs) But we have a very successful family, and I think it was more of a diet based on convenience (laughs) than anything else. And I learned over the years that, hey, this isn't necessarily what I want to do or where I want to be. And I was an athlete, you know, I still consider myself to be athletic. But I mean, when I was an athlete, it became even more important for me to really look at what I was eating and how I was eating. I also was very into the earth and protecting animals. And so I became a vegetarian when I was like 15. But I was kind of a junk food vegetarian. I didn't know (laughs) what I should really be eating. I wasn't nutritionally savvy. I've learned these things along the way. I got trained to do that as a peer counselor. Princeton, I learned how to peer counsel regarding nutrition, sexual health, health and fitness and exercise. And that just opened up a whole new kind of way of me thinking, hey, I might actually want to do this someday. I think it's helpful. But um, a lot of it has been trial and error as far as what works for me. And then as I've developed myself spiritually, my wellness program, my holistic health concepts have developed as well. So it's like, as I learn, I'm constantly evolving and elevating my knowledge of what makes me run and what makes me and my body and my spirit satisfied and happy. I love that. I mean, I think that that's so important to keep evolving and just elevating and learning what you can because I think that my picture of what wellness was 10 years ago is different from what it is today. And I'm sure that that's going to continue to change with the new things that we learn and with with life circumstances and with what works for us and what doesn't. And so I love that you combine the mind, body and spirit into the work that you do. And I think a lot of the people listening to this can relate. We have a lot of women that listen to the show specifically. And for women, I think that that idea of success, you know, being the best and being 
everything we can for everyone around us, there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. And I think the stress and the burnout are just so much worse than than they've ever been. And I'd love to know what inspired you to start, I guess, working with women specifically and to write your book, The Art of Chilling Out for Women. Well, with my work with Sisterhood Agenda, which is my nonprofit organization, I've been doing that for over 28 years. And I have gotten the message <laughs> from women that, look, it's, this is a lot. You know, we, we talked over the last few decades about work-family balance, you know, work-life balance and what that means and got to the point where there is balance, but it's a balance that you create for yourself. And it's individual to each person. But one thing that seems to be consistent amongst many of the women that I've talked to and worked with and interacted with is that we're being stretched in all different directions and we're expected to be 100% everywhere all the time, 24-7. And you can't keep something plugged in and expect it to shine brightly 100% all the time, (laughs) 24-7. And there's a time when we all need a break and that's where the natural rhythm of life comes into play. It's not natural to think that You can do that. (laughs) But yet, here we are with those supernatural expectations of ourselves every day. (laughs) We're expected to be there, you know, for our families, for our work, for our our own selves in ways that are very difficult. You're you're almost set up for failure. And what it is, is it's a set up for burnout. And that's why we're seeing burnout. We're seeing people saying this is too much. We're seeing the body literally resisting the schedule that our minds are pushing and saying we can do it. So what I'm suggesting with the book, The Art of Chilling Out for Women is that, well, a few things. (laughs) One is that we look at the, the social expectations. Okay, those don't change until we decide to change them. And so we decide that that might have worked for them, but that doesn't work for me. Or that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. And then secondly, I think that we can all look at really embracing the art, (laughs) and I call it the art, of chilling out because that relaxation decreases the stress. That's how we manage stress. That's how we restore. We don't want to wait for a medical event to make us do that, to force us to lie down in a bed and rest um, because you can't move or because you're hooked up to an IV machine or because, you know, you have a disease now. We don't want that to be the case. So in a lot of ways, this is preventative. It's saying you can prevent burnout if you're feeling at all, you know, this is for all the ladies out there. If you're feeling at all, like how, how much longer am I going to go at this pace? How much longer am I supposed to do this? And if you're not being fulfilled by that personally, then this is a book for you. It's also a book that gives you permission to say it's okay for me to stop. It's okay for me to be still. It's okay for me to set aside time in my daily schedule, in my daily routine, to create a healthy habit in which it may look like I'm doing nothing, but I'm actually doing something for myself. I'm doing something relevant and important and restorative, finding peace of tapping in. All these things are happening at the cellular level with my body when I give it a chance to just prepare itself and do what, it, what it's designed to do. And that's key. And it needs to be something I think that becomes acceptable (laughs) to do. But first, we have to decide it's acceptable for us to do it. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so hard sometimes to wrap our minds around because we are expected to be so much and to do so much for everyone and be everything to the people around us that we hold ourselves to such a standard that there is often so much guilt when you're doing quote unquote nothing or when you're not doing the thing that's on the to-do list that we think is the thing we need to do that we have to do. And I love, you know, in your book, you talk about using stillness as your superpower, which is something... I know I personally struggle with this. I would imagine most of our society does. And I'd love to know what can we do to start practicing that restorative rest rather than I've been someone who will get so overwhelmed that I just completely detach and go on that Netflix binge that goes on for a little too long. And I don't know if it restores me. What can we be doing to kind of get back and make it something sustainable for us? In my book, I have what's called holistic prescriptions. So the art of chilling out for women doesn't require you to go out and buy something and get a a prescription filled 
at your drugstore like you would typically fill a regular prescription. Because it's a holistic prescription, it's just encouraging you to use what you have. And a lot of that is go outside. <laughs> go outside, go for a walk, enjoy your yard, enjoy the trees, enjoy the street um, in the sense that if there's green there, get around green, get around nature, bring nature in, bring in your flowers, bring in your plants, bring in your feng shui elements, you know, bring in that wood, the earth, fire, metal, water, bring them all in, embrace them, become aware of them, learn to appreciate them because you're part of nature too. And when you can connect to nature, you can understand the rhythms of life and dormancy and productivity and rest and restoration more simply. Um, and you can also just elevate your mood and improve your quality of life with things like aromatherapy, with herbs that you may already have in your kitchen, with gemstones that a lot of people aren't aware of. These are powerful, small and mighty elements, herbs, gemstones, feng shui principles that we can use and incorporate into our everyday lives to help to soothe us and make the transition from being stressed out to being more emotionally balanced and more at peace. And that's going to increase not just our emotional well-being, that's going to also increase our physical and spiritual well-being as well. I think that's so important. And I, I love the holistic approach that you take to it because I think oftentimes we do kind of get so settled into one thing that's going to work all the time. And I think we also complicate it. And I think with your book, you provide so many useful takeaways that we can incorporate into our day that are not going to break the bank. They're not going to take hours and hours of your time. These are things that like there's so much research behind how seeing a body of water can impact your physical and mental health. And I think getting outside, you know, as long as weather is okay to do that, it, it's something that you're doing that is having a major impact, but relatively little effort to actually have to go out and do that. But I think so often when we're trying to elevate and trying to restore and do things in a way that's maybe not that detachment that, you know, the Netflix, all of that, we put so much pressure on ourselves that it has to be this huge lifestyle change that's, and, and I think there are so many things we can do that make a major impact that don't have to take a lot of time and don't have to completely reinvent the wheel for us. Absolutely. And that pressure that you mentioned, it's amazing because you said it exactly the way it often happens. The pressure we put on ourselves. It is nobody holding our feet to the fire. It is us <laughs> doing this to ourselves, which seems so dysfunctional, right? <laughs> that we're engaging in these self-destructive mentalities and behaviors. But that's why also learning to let go is a big part of it learning to let go of these concepts of trying to prove ourselves over and over again. This feeling is not an isolated feeling. So women who feel this way, you're not alone. So you shouldn't feel like it's just you. It's not just you. <laughs> That's why I wrote The Art of Chilling Out for Women. It's a lot of us that are feeling this burden. And it's a burden that we can lift off of ourselves. And that's where the, the empowerment comes from, knowing you have the power to control this. And also knowing that there may be things in your kitchen, herbs in your kitchen that you can use right now to help you, <laughs> help you to heal and to soothe and to chill out. We all have public parks, you know, that hopefully are accessible, but any green space will do. Just getting around that, these are tried and true ancient practices that have been shown to be extremely effective across many different cultures, that it's like we're going full circle and just saying, let's go back to how we used to be, how we used to do things and manage things. And now it's so much more important than ever because it's, it's key to our mental health. It's key to our survival in that sense. Yeah, I mean, in, in those days, I mean, people were actually getting outside just because that was in their routine. And that was something that was normal. And I have had so many times where I realized by the end of the day, I've barely gotten any natural sunlight, even though I live in the state of Florida, I live in the sunshine state, I should be getting it. And I really have to 
remind myself how important that is and and get myself out there because it's something I think with our lifestyles today, it's so easy to go the whole day without getting outside or spending much time outside. And so we have to be intentional about it, but also just understanding what an impact it makes that again, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's something that we've been doing for however many years humans have been on earth. And, And being intentional is the key, right? Until it becomes a habit, you might have to put it in your schedule right after your meeting in the morning. That's okay. <laughs> Until it becomes a habit because you do want to do it with intention. And and it's that play. You know, I have a um, sign in my office that reads the Wi-Fi password is go outside and play. <laughs> so if you come in my house and you're like, what's the Wi-Fi password? I'm going to tell you to go outside and play. <laughs> Why do you need Wi-Fi right now? <laughs> because we do need to incorporate that you know, from a more sophisticated perspective, what we call that playfulness and that fun, we call that joy, you know, right? <laughs> we call that radiating joy, you know, whatever you want to call it, we have to have balance. You can't be all work. You can't be all busy, busy, busy. And it's time that we start to tap within for our self-worth, for our self-esteem, for our feelings of just positive self-concept and of what we deserve. And when you do that, you're no longer trying to validate yourself externally to yourself. And you realize that I deserve to treat myself this way. It's only when you have a foundation of solid self-esteem that's very healthy that you can demonstrate the self-love and self-care necessary to show and demonstrate the self-love. So that this is all part of self-care, but if you don't love yourself and you're defined by that busyness, you're defined by something outside of yourself, your relationships with others, you're going to still be constantly on that hamster wheel trying to show and prove, show and prove, show and prove. And my question, don't you get tired of having to prove yourself over and over again? Aren't you enough as you are now? And are you content and you know your worth? You know who you are and what you're capable of and your strengths. And you know you're successful. You know that already. Yeah. Well, I think that that's something that so many of us struggle with, though, is kind of shifting our mindset around that because there's so much of that not enoughness and that I will be worthy of, you know, I will prove myself once I accomplish blank or after I've done all of these things. And I think intuitively, we know that that's not, or at least logically, we know, we know that that's not true. And we would never treat our friends that way and the people that we love, but we do hold ourselves to that standard that again, that nobody is holding us to. How do we shift our mindset around that and start to develop that positive self-worth and that self-love? Well, I think first understand and maybe even redefining our notions of success. You know, what does success look like? What is success? And that being successful doesn't mean being busy to the point where you have no time for yourself. Uh, And I want to see people successful in the art of chilling out. (laughs) I want to see women that are successfully doing that because that to me is part of being successful. It's like putting your oxygen mask on first, right? If you're not good, How can you be good for other people? And that includes the work you're doing. That includes your community activities. That includes your family members. You know, so looking at how we define and redefine what we think of as success and understanding that chilling out is absolutely a part of that equation. The relaxation and the time for self is absolutely essential to that equation. That's part of all successful people, all successful women. When you look at entrepreneurs who are extremely, you know, well-known, done incredible things. So no one's saying that you can't do those things and can't be those things, but you look at them, they also have great habits of rest and productivity. They know when enough is enough and they might need a little break. They probably have incorporated self-care rituals into their daily routine, whether they meditate or exercise in the morning, or they pray before they go to bed, or they give themselves affirmations, or they have a mantra that they use for success, whatever it might be. So this is not saying to rest as a detriment to your success. This is saying rest is essential to your success. It's part of the equation for success. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I have had times where I've been burning the candle at both ends and you think 
or at least I think the way we, we treat it, we often think that we're getting more done and that like it's just a temporary setback, but that you know, we'll sacrifice the sleep, we'll sacrifice the healthy meal, whatever it is, so that we can just get through this and then we'll move on to the next thing. But that has such a long-term effect. I think it's so much more lasting than we give it credit for. And just taking that time to rest and whatever that looks like for the individual makes such a difference. And I think if you're worried about performance, I think the performance is usually better if you're taking that time too. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you just brought up a really good point the concept, the notion of self-sacrifice. So for example, during the pandemic, when the children were at home and we were doing Zoom meetings and (laughs) the moms were forced (laughs) almost homeschool, right? At the same time as participate and be an employee and at the same time be a partner to your spouse and feed the dog and do all the other things (laughs) that were needed to be done. And we just thought that's part of the, you know, that's part of the, what we're supposed to do. It's women that I know that are caring for children, they're caring for their fur babies, but also are now having to care for aging parents. And it's the expectation that it's the women and the family that are going to do it. And in the short term, we are rewarded for that in terms of, wow, you did all that, that's awesome. But in the long term, it's got an extremely negative impact and the negative impact expresses itself most readily and obviously in our health uh, and poor health outcomes when you consistently push yourself that way. And I also think that there's a difference between, you know, you have that emergency that comes up and it's going to be a busier time. It's going to be a more challenging time, but for it to be like that all the time. And I think that is where we really like the email that turns into an emergency that I was just talking to a coworker about this, that it really could wait until tomorrow. And they're not even necessarily putting that pressure on you, but the need to respond right away, to be on, to be connected to whomever, whenever, be everything. And I think we need to save that for the times when the people in our life maybe really need us or when we really need ourselves like sure there are going to be times that you're going to be putting in more time effort whatever but to be again like doing that all the time at your own expense and for the things that are not even that valuable to you or to the majority of the the people that matter to you I mean that's definitely a detriment And, and if we asked our family if we asked our friends if we asked our coworkers look, do you think that it would be good for me to take a rest? They might say, oh, yeah. I mean, they're 100% would be probably, yes, I do agree that you, it'd be good for you to take a rest. But then you don't. <laughs> and I have a chapter, it's chapter 20, which you said reminded me of the chapter I called Take Time for Time Out. And it reminded me of how you know, educators use time out as a strategy to disconnect children from something like negative or something that could be potentially traumatic or physical that it's like, okay, look, we just need to decompress the situation. You take a child away from it and you give them space and time alone to think about what they've done and to recover. <laughs> well, that's what we need to do for ourselves. <laughs> we need to take ourselves out of the element, out of what's causing us stress or anxiety out of a situation in order to decompress, in order to de-escalate it, right? <laughs> and it's sometimes it's the farthest thing from our minds when we need it the most. Like just removing yourself, just saying, okay, I'm going to take a five-minute break. I'll see you later. <laughs> the idea of doing that might stun people, right? They'd be like, where are you going? What's going on? But you're, what you're doing is preserving your sanity. You're preserving your mental health. You're preserving your emotional balance because you have to get back to it. And that's the thing. If you never are getting back to it, if you're never at that equilibrium and that balance, and you're constantly in a state of fight or flight, your body will be stressed because, and your mind will be stressed because it thinks I have to either fight or I have to fly. I have to leave or I need to fight. So that's where that whole defensiveness will come in where somebody might say something and you'll be like, I won't do it as fast as I can. And they'll be like, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what's going on you know or you might overreact to things because oh and then you say I'm oh, sorry I'm stressed out I have a deadline okay you can have a deadline and meet that deadline and still have a balanced state of mind and still have and maintain inner peace that's hard for us to realize that is reality that there are people who do this every day but it it's work for most people and for us it's doing the work it's creating a ritual it's creating those healthy habits but it can be achieved. It's doable. And and when we're snapping at people, we're, we're not ourselves and we're not really 
being positive, you know, to be around. We're not fun to be around when, if that happens. So it's worth it for us to take that time so that that doesn't happen, so that we don't become that person. Stressed out people aren't enjoyable. <laughs> They're not fun to be around. And so you don't want to be that person. You don't have to be that person. Yeah. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that too, because even just thinking about the emergencies that, that come up in our lives, because they inevitably will. I was at a workshop uh, about a year ago on crisis communications, and it was with someone who does that type of work, but with the National Guard. And at that level, she was saying that one of the best practices was to have kind of breaks set up for the people that are communicating these messages and dealing with the crises and that they're not on all at once and for all this time. I mean, they're certainly putting in the work, but that they in order to function properly and do the work that needs to be done and do this important work that they need this rest and they need to have the morale boosting among them and to have breaks built into whatever crisis plan that they have. This is on a communication side and not necessarily on the boots on the ground, but still having having those breaks built in. And I thought, wow, if that's somebody from the National Guard saying this, then maybe, you know, maybe my desk job that I have and maybe I don't need to, yeah, like, Save save the fight or flight response for when the actual lion is chasing me. Right. Or the, zom- the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, but imagine how much research and millions of dollars and how many people breaking down later <laughs> to come to the conclusion that, oh, we need some breaks. It'd be helpful to have some breaks there. So we don't have to do that ourselves to learn, like you said, from the research. And from what other people already are knowing and are doing, <laughs> because this is research that's already been done. Like forest bathing. Who knew that was a thing? It is. That's an ancient Japanese practice of going into a wooded area, going in the forest, and just enjoying and absorbing the nature around you. That's called forest bathing. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> people do these things. So let's, oh, you know, I include that also in the book, using bodies of water, the sea, the ocean, which we all love and respect, most of us anyway. <laughs> Some people don't like the sand as much, but, you know, that's part of it. But that's the healing trifecta. The ocean is a big part of that. Um, water, air, and sun. That for centuries, that was the prescription, literally, from doctors when people were ailing was to tell them to go get water, air, and sun and to go to a coastal climate. That's why Florida is the demographic that, that it is, where you are, is <laughs> because people have retired there. A lot of times their doctors have advised them to retire in a warmer climate. <laughs> and, and Florida is a place where they can have access to the water and the, the sea and the sun, the, the air, I mean, um, air, sun, and sea. So like soft air, just breathing it in and smelling it, it purifies. It's some of the purest air. And then sea breeze, sea breezes at night, sea breezes trade winds during the day. And they have a feeling, uh, it feels so calm and soothing. So, I mean, these are things that we can go to if we can, but there are also things that we can incorporate into our daily lives and we don't have to go anywhere. For example, like in the art of chilling out for women, I talk about how we can use the powerful healing and restorative properties of the healing trifecta in your own home through salt baths. All of us know we can we can get Epsom salts and we can get sea salts and we can put that in our bathtubs. Yes, we can. <laughs> we can take a bath. And that's why I encourage even those showers. Now I'm really into interior design. It's a hobby of mine because of Feng Shui and because I know that the colors and the smells and everything influence your mood. And so I'm into that. So I'm always looking at new things. And one of the newest things that they're doing in a lot of newer homes is eliminating when they renovate bathrooms, they eliminate the bathtub. I'm like, oh, that's such a mistake. (laughs) Because I look at the healing aspects of water, of being immersed in water. You know, the protective aspect of it is too. From the beginning, that's how we were born. That's how we were developed. And so just taking a nice soothing bath at night before you go to bed, add some lavender, you know, add some thyme, add some honeysuckle, add the bath salts, and you're cleansed, you're renewed, you're rejuvenated, and you've brought the temperature down. You've actually are soothing yourself. And and that's a self-care recipe or a holistic prescription that for most people is very doable. So it's very important for me to have something very doable for people. 
Definitely. And I mean, I feel like a bath, it's so luxurious. I'm so sad hearing that they're going <laughs> like, you know, that many of them. And I've known some people who have moved more recently that don't have the bathtub there. And I love my Epsom salt baths. And I started that really for like sore muscles. It was something like if you had an injury and it has really great physical, but I think just the relaxation piece to it, like, yes, it's really great for healing when, when I'm sore, when I've overworked something, when I've pulled something, but it's just relaxing and rejuvenate. And I feel like a different person when I get out. I love, love, love Epsom salt. And I feel like, again, that is something, I mean, you can get that at Walmart, Target. It's not, there's not a huge barrier to it. But the, do you know why it, it helps you if your muscles are sore and tense? Like you said, it's relaxing. It literally, yeah, re- literally relaxes tightness in muscles, and that's what we tend to do when we're stressed out. We constrict. We our breathing becomes constricted, and we tighten up because again we're preparing for fight or flight. And when we have that tenseness, and you can just simply take a bath and <laughs> release release some of that. That's important for people to. Absolutely. And it's always amazing. I think that we know this, but at the same time, we tend to forget that the, I mean, the mind and the body and the spirit are all so interconnected. And I've had a lot of soreness in my neck and shoulders and upper back lately. And some of it does have to do with getting myself into a weird position at the hairdresser that, you know, for a little longer than I should have, she was at an Airbnb instead of at the, um, so it was a weird sink position, but you know, it was a few months ago and I'm still, and, and I know I've been under more stress than usual with certain things going on in life. And I started getting massages more recently as just something to kind of treat myself a little bit and because I can't use my phone when I'm doing it and all of that. And I know that like, and, and I mean, even the fact that I will tense up again, like a day later, but the amount of tightness, like, yes, some of it has to do with the way I might sit in an office and stuff like that. But the fact that it has been so much worse in this period of time, I, I know that it has to do with the stress. And I think that we don't often tie like what's going on in the body to what's going on around us and what's going on in our minds. Absolutely. And that's why the art of chilling out for women is divided into body, mind, and spirit. Although they're all integrated, it's sometimes easier for people to understand what's happening with each thing separately. And one of the main things is body barometers. I have a problem, that chapter on how to read your body barometers, how to know your body barometers, because your body lets you know when something is off. That's your intuition, your soul. Just like um, if you go someplace and you're not feeling safe, there's a reason you're not feeling safe. There's a reason why you're tensed up in a certain space. (laughs) There's a reason why you start to get anxiety or you perspire or you get cramps or you have trouble digesting your food after you hear news about something. That's That's a holistic response. It's your body, mind, and your spirit that's now not at ease. And that's so important for us to know when our bodies are feeling not at ease and just as important to know when we're feeling great, you know, what are spaces that make us feel so good? You might go someplace and be like, oh, it smells so good. Or, oh, I feel so good here. It's just so comfortable. But you don't know why. <laughs> you haven't realized why that is. You know, I think that that body parameters, and it's funny with the um, with mind, body, and soul and how you have, you know, those three sections built out into the book. As I was reading them, there are some chapters where I thought, oh, this is body, but I think it could tie into mind or vice versa or just where where they all really are so interconnected. And I think that that just goes to show how much they, they come together and how much one can impact the other. I also think with those body barometers, that's something that we tend to turn off. I think that's an intuition, especially for women. I think we've been physically uncomfortable at least a little bit since puberty and we're used to things hurting a little bit or not, you know, just having the discomfort, having things feel not the way that we want them to feel more often. I think that's why we don't get the man cold. We have to get used to feeling more comfortable. It's true. The argument that women have a higher threshold for pain and also a higher threshold for stress, you know, or that we manage stress well. I think it's time that we get comfortable with being comfortable and that we, and that we also honor our need to disconnect and to listen to our bodies. 
listen to our spirits, our intuition that's telling us, and respect, like you said, with massage therapy and others, respect our need and the positive impacts of touch, of, of wanting and needing beauty in our lives, of, of positive, safe, healthy touching, and also respect the vibe. You know, respect the vibe. We feel something, you know, respect that. That's important. And honor yourself by honoring that and not ignoring it. We can talk ourselves out of everything. And that's where the, the affirmations and positive self-talk, that's what it is. That's where that comes in because we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else. And what we tell ourselves is so important. Like, oh no, you're just being whatever. No, that's what somebody else probably said to you a long time ago. And now you've internalized it to the point where you believe it, but to not discount or invalidate your feelings that some of us are learning to see and hear ourselves for the first time, really getting to know the intrinsic aspects of our person, of who this is and who we are becoming, because, you know, we're not the same. I'm not even the same as I was yesterday or this morning. <laughs> we're all changing. And it's okay. And that's part of being a woman as well. We know that we go through changes <laughs> that are not in our heads. They're not psychological only. They're also physiological, biological. And to respect that, that's part of it. I completely agree. I mean, I think our cells, don't our cells change completely in the body? Like every seven years, you're pretty much a new person altogether. And I mean, there's so much changing within us. And something I'd love to know, because I think we are so tempted to push it down and to say, well, no, I'm fine. I, I'll, be, I'll be okay, whatever it is. And I think sometimes we don't realize how burned out we are, or how sick sometimes we are, or how uncomfortable we are. How do we start to better understand that so that we're not disconnected? And what can we do to tap in? Well, first of all, understanding that awareness is not complaining, right? So becoming aware, and because maybe you're feeling a way that's not so positive, glowing, and happy sunshine, isn't mean that it's a bad, quote unquote, feeling. It's a feeling. You know, I have a chapter called Feel Your Feelings. You need to feel your feelings, move through your feelings to move out of your feelings and let them go. That's part of the healing process. That's part of how we transition. But if we're stuck in the shoulds, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't think this way. I shouldn't do this way. Then it's hard to get out of it. So I think, again, giving yourself permission to be yourself without apology, to be authentic, you know, and that's sometimes, again, that's a learning curve for a lot of people to not feel guilty. Honestly, uh, a lot of the people and things that we do around us are part of who we are, right? So if you change, some of that might change as well. And that's scary to people. Adapting, understanding, and accepting change is a process. And, and I talk about that. I talk about drive the car. And the car, C-A-R is the, the acronym for how we can learn to accept and adapt to change. Because change is a constant. And that it's okay. And to not be judgmental towards it. There's not a judgment towards it one way or the other. It just is. It is what it is. And that's why when you look at nature, too, and you look at a, a group of flowers growing together, the flowers are not identical. They look kind of similar. They look even the same, but when you look really closely, they're different. And it's not like this one is uglier than that one, <laughs> or this one is this one. They're just different, <laughs> and they're unique, and they're all beautiful. And I want women to be able to come together and recognize that and respect that and live that way, live on purpose that way. I absolutely love that. I think that that's so important. And I think so often we're not living on purpose and we're just kind of following whatever it is that is on the to-do list or what whatever the next thing is that someone needs from us or that we've maybe set as an expectation, but isn't necessarily what we want. It's just, it's the next logical step. And we don't often, and I see this with companies, I see this with people that sometimes new information becomes available and we can change and that's okay. But it's hard sometimes to accept that. So I I think it is really, really important to let go of the guilt and just give that permission, as you said. Yeah, feeling guilty for taking care of yourself, that's deep-rooted from something. Mm. We, we allow other people to take care of themselves without excuses, without guilt. <laughs> uh, so, uh, And then it's like when we do it or we want to do that for ourselves, we think we talk ourselves out of it, all the reasons why, oh, that would be a good idea, oh, I shouldn't do that. So 
Yeah, it's about prioritizing yourself in a way that's kind and gentle, not in a way that's abrasive or selfish. I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm not talking about, oh, it's uh, it's me and then there's you and it's always me first. I'm not talking about that, <laughs> that at all. I'm talking about incorporating a lifestyle of making sure that you're okay, of daily check-ins and, and, and daily care. And I think that that's, again, so important just to be checking in with yourself so that you understand, you know, am I living on purpose? Am I doing what's going to light me up? Because I'm also going to show up better in the world for everyone around me if I'm showing up for me and if I'm doing what I'm passionate about or what makes a difference for me and making that shift for ourselves. I do think we often just get into a routine where we're we're just doing, 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 and we don't take that time for reflection. So that's always a challenge, something we need to kind of step back from. But I think with that change, a lot of times we find like the more that we reflect that maybe what I'm doing isn't even serving me or it's not something that I really love anymore that's lighting me up. How do we develop that self-awareness and start to determine that and pivot from that? Well, well, if you don't mind, I'll share, I'll read from a chapter that's called Show Show and Prove I Love Me. Yeah, it's chapter seven. And I say, how you show up for others is not nearly as important as how you show up for yourself. How did you show up for yourself today? I love me. That's in quotes. It's a declaration that is basic, yet full of passion. Childlike in its purity, yet timeless. This proclamation is for all ages, and it just might be the right thing for you at this time in your life. I love me. You are your own best thing. Professing love to yourself for yourself just makes sense. Yet it's one of the most difficult philosophies for us to fully accept, embrace, and live by. I love me. What other people say about you is not nearly as important as what you say to yourself. I love me. It is the foundation of your relationship with yourself. Everything you do and say can come from this foundational reality if you choose it to be so. I love me. Who you think you are may change as you grow. Your identity will evolve. Still, I love me. Always and forever. Now, prove it. And then I have my affirmation. I love myself today and every day. I love me. And our holistic prescription includes a call to action, which is remind yourself that you are magical, special, and honorable in the most unexpected ways. Mother Nature, use these herbs, rosemary for pure healing love, cinnamon for grounding and balancing energy, and yarrow for protecting and raising the frequency of love vibrations. And gemstones, activate these gemstones. Rose quartz for warm, caring, gentle self-love and emotional healing by releasing resentments. Moonstone for self-protection and good fortune. And aventurine for nurturing yourself, bringing joy and a positive attitude. And the feng shui part of holistic prescription, I inform the readers for optimal feng shui balance and harmony. Surround yourself with love and beauty, such as gorgeous artwork mirrors, candles, plants, and flowers. Clear all clutter in your home. Bring more feminine yin elements into your workspace and home, especially your bedroom. For example, curvy furniture, soft textures and pastel colors like pink and yellow. Add metal for joy and beauty. Add wood for growth and healing. Add red, the fire element, for love, passion, and inspiration. I love that. I really love that affirmation. And I love the affirmations in the book. I think you have such a nice variety there. But I think this is so important for us to keep in mind that, again, we are doing so much for the people around us. But you are your best thing. And you're really like when it comes down to it, we have our loved ones, but you're the only one that's going to be with you through everything. And if you don't have that loving relationship with yourself, if you don't treat yourself well, if that conversation is not good, it doesn't matter what people are saying to you. It's life is going to be difficult. You're showing the world every day to what extent do you love yourself by how you interact with them and by the things that you do. You show them every day and you're showing yourself every day. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like the people that are stressed out, and I certainly have gone through it. I've experienced my share of burnout. When I'm burned out, I am not a great friend. I'm not a great daughter. I'm not a great employee. Like there are a lot of things. Like it's just, I'm not, I'm probably not as good of a host. Like, 
all of the things that I want to bring to the world and the things that I'm passionate about and that I want, they're not going to go the way I want them to if I'm not taking the time for me. And if I'm, you know, eventually running myself ragged, I could go a day and maybe not do all of the things that are treating myself in exactly the right way. But if I make that a habit and now all of the time I'm skipping that time out in nature, I'm skipping my workout, I'm not moving my body or eating good foods, like it's going to catch up with me. And I definitely... But it's not saying you have to be perfect either. And and it's also not saying that your self-care ritual or your art of chilling out is time consuming. I think that's a misconception. It can be five seconds. It could be five minutes. It could be a deep yeah. breathing exercise that lasts a total of one minute. It could be it yeah. could be a, that simple. It could be you turning to your favorite painting and just like, admiring it. You know, it, it could it could be those very small, very influential and powerful things that we do with our mind, body, and spirit, or the affirmation. You know, how many seconds does it take to recite an affirmation? You know, so we're not saying that you've got to, to eat right and, and exercise and yeah. do this every day. Do that every see, that's that that's on that should list, right? And then you feel yeah. guilty again, you're setting up a cycle. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, oh I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not doing what Angela said in the art of chilling out for women. <laughs> it's not supposed <laughs> to be like that at all. <laughs> it's just supposed to be it looks like it's effortless and it's it's about doing nothing. It's about just changing your mentality and taking some time for yourself and taking, giving yourself the space that you give so readily away to other people. And that space looks different for everybody because not everybody has the same lifestyle, obligations, responsibilities. So yeah, one person might be able to say, oh, I just came back from a hike and it was beautiful and I me and my friend did it and it was an hour other people are like i don't have time for that <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't be healthy that doesn't mean you can't master and learn the art of chilling out that doesn't mean that you won't still be balanced emotionally balanced and that you can't reap some of those same benefits by doing something that results in very similar outcomes and benefits but not as strenuous or doesn't take as much of your time if you don't have that time so it's something that's why i give a lot of options of what people can do they can do things in public they can do things in private they can do things that take five seconds they can do things that take five minutes but the point is to 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 do something to to give yourself that space give yourself that energy when you start directing that positive energy towards yourself you're all these uh, resources are going to open up to you and suddenly you're going to be doing all of these chilling out things, but not on purpose. It's just, it's, it's become part of your lifestyle. It's nothing that you have to go and do. It's something you're doing. You're just doing it. It's natural. Yeah. I've definitely had those times where it's nighttime. I've had a long day and without even thinking about it, I'm putting my headphones in and headed to the door so I can take my little walk around the neighborhood and listen to my book or whatever it is. And I think we, we do put that pressure that, oh my gosh, I need to take that hike. And yes, there's a lot of great benefit to it. And if we enjoy that, let's let's do it when there's the time to do it. But I think it's also valuable to eat my lunch outside on a nice day. Is it for you? Is this is this where is this what you want to do right now with your time? I mean, how many of us have actually asked ourselves that? <laughs> I mean, is this really what I've had to ask myself that sometimes when I have a choice to do this or I have a choice to do that? Or I have a choice to do something. So something else. And I have to ask myself, okay, what do I really feel like doing right now? Like I've got to really come to grips with what that is. And at first, when you ask yourself that question, you might not even know what I feel like doing because you confuse that with, well, if I don't go, that might hurt her feelings. You know? <laughs> or, well, I know I need to do this because if I don't, I'll have more work to do tomorrow or I know I should do the dishes now because I don't like having those in the sink, you know, (laughs) or whatever. You have a lot of choices every day. You have a lot of choices. And asking you what you really want to do and to act on what your body and your mind and your spirit is telling you to do. Bringing them together, not letting one dominate the other, but bringing them together. That's really you. You know, what is it that you really, really want to do right now? And if the answer is just to rest, then... There's nothing to feel guilty about at all. There's nothing, you're not hurting anybody. You're not taking anything away from somebody else. 
you're not doing anything destructive to yourself or others. So it's a, it's really, it's, it's mind boggling how, like you said, it's the pressure that we put on ourselves, how we don't allow ourselves to just exist in a, in a, in a space of calm and that that's okay. Like I just, like just now I feel calm. <laughs> like, no, I feel calm. That doesn't mean I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I feel emotionally balanced. It's not, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm doing something. I'm still doing something productive but I'm doing it a little differently. My, my energy is probably a little different. So yeah, that's why I talk about shifting your energy and how you can change your energy and also how you can protect your energy if you're in a very negative space. Because once you learn the art of chilling out, you know it's like self-esteem and self-love. Once you get it, that doesn't mean you're just gonna have it forever. You're gonna have to still do a little bit of work to maintain it, right? It's a great start. It's a great foundation, but that doesn't mean that something, like you said, an emergency or something that might happen, doesn't mean nothing will happen to shape that, right? To test that, because we all are in there too. Yeah. And there could be a time where maybe temporarily the thing that you really, that really helps you in difficult moments is something that can't be really accessible right now. And how do we adjust to that? How do we find what's going to then still work for us? And without letting, you know, we let perfect be the enemy of the good. And Absolutely. Well, the question, the perfect response you said was, how do I adjust to that? That's the perfect question. It's not, what do I do now? It's how do I adjust to that? That's the question we have to ask ourselves for a lot of things. How do I adjust to that, for that, the unexpected, some things that happen that really shake who we are, you know, and some things that are just emotionally devastating, like loss that hurts how we can recover from these things. We can, and we do. And understanding most of these things are temporary and fleeting, and we don't want to have consistent responses that are not temporary and fleeting. We constantly hold on to those responses, to those emotions, to those feelings, and never let them go. We're going to consistently be putting ourselves through unnecessary, you know, trauma, unnecessary experiences. And then we fail to get the the blessings. We might miss our blessings that are right around the corner if we just move forward. (laughs) We can get there. We can get there. You know, we don't want to miss our blessings by staying stuck. You know, some of us might be stuck, but you can always get unstuck at any point. It's never too early or too late to learn. Absolutely. And one other thing that you mentioned as we were talking, you mentioned that idea of protecting your energy. And that's something, too, that I think can be really challenging, not only from ourselves, but then when we're in situations with other people or we're in a pandemic or something where we just don't have the control or maybe, again, we're around negative influences. Maybe we're not able to step away in that moment. Maybe it's a work thing or something like that where we only have so much control over the surroundings that we have in that moment. What is your advice for not letting that overtake us and still practicing that self-love, still approaching things from a place of calm and, again, protecting our energy and still bringing the best of ourselves forward? Well, that's a great question, and it happens to the best of us, right? We walk into the post office, and the person next to us starts complaining, oh, they're taking so long, and they're just in a real negative state of mind. Or we're going to a meeting, and we know that there's opposition to what we're proposing. We know that it's not a friendly crowd, maybe, or that they're not the ideal audience. Or you might be in a situation where something escalates really quickly, just out of your control. And I just say, pop up that shield, right? And that shield for me is this energy protective shield. It's energetic, right? But for me, it's a visualization, a literal shield around myself so that I keep my energy to myself. And by keeping my energy that I've come with, that I travel and move with to myself, I'm also blocking out that negativity. I'm blocking out other people's energy that's interfering and trying to bring my energy down. So I put on that protective shield so that it's okay with other audience that I'm talking about, you know, holistic health with. <laughs> it's okay if they don't, I don't believe that hooey hooey, woo woo stuff. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> you know, or let's say you're making a presentation and you have a colleague that 
is secretly trying to sabotage you. That's real world, real world corporate stuff, right? This happens yeah. to people and it happens to women <laughs> in, the, in the workplace. That's when you put on your protective shield because you stay in your zone, you stay in your vibrations, you stay in your positive energy, and you're not allowing those other people and other influences outside of yourself. Because your shield is not just those people next to you. Your shield is like all everything outside of you. You're saying no to right now. You're just saying, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you right now. So it's not saying you don't acknowledge it exists. You're saying that's not in my sphere of influence and in the mode <laughs> that I'm in right now. So I, I literally visualize that protective shield, like a bubble around me. And sometimes it's different colors. Like it might be pink or yellow, or it might be clean. <laughs> it might be thick or it might be thin, but I literally sometimes feel like I need to shield myself. And it's interesting that we might need to do that because that's also about feeling safe, creating a safe space for yourself. So hopefully you do exist. Your home, for example, is most people's sanctuary, their safe space, especially during pandemic, we realized how safe and healthy or unsafe and unhealthy those spaces really were because we stayed in them longer than usual. <laughs> and that's eye-opening. All of it is, is information. And with that information, we can then make choices, make decisions, and we can change whatever we want to change about that. What makes that safe space safe for you is different for everyone. So I think their protective shield is going to have to look different for different people. But I, I encourage people to figure out a way to use the idea of a protective shield and that concept as a way, again, you have that power to do that and create that for yourself. And it's it's just like saying, yeah, not today. <laughs> We're not doing that now. <laughs> but it's doing it without having to say that because it's doing it energetically. Yeah. I love that visualization. And I feel like it's really utilizing the proactive versus the reactive that I'm going to go ahead and put this shield up. I know what's going on around me, but I'm not going to let it in. I'm not going to let it affect me in the way that I could easily take this home with me and let it, you know, ruin the, the day, week, whatever. And instead proactively putting that up and yeah, like blocking it out and being intentional about what's coming in and creating that safety for yourself. I think that's, I love that visualization. It's something that I personally need to incorporate a little more. I've left the meeting before. Sometimes I'll use humor and I've left the meeting before where I'm really annoyed about it. And then I go and I spray my rose water and it's kind of... (laughs) Absolutely. That aromatherapy, it lifts your mood. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And lavender is calming, but the rose is really good for, again, that's that that self-love with love and compassion too. And that's the self, self-compassion. That's also a big part of self-love and self-acceptance. So that's like, yeah, that, that made me really think of that. I see this visual of you with your rose water. And I really see that helping a lot of people, you know. I hope so. I was going through a time where, because I think so many of these modalities, there are a lot of really great practices out there that we can incorporate. And I love that you have... 101 practices in the book. So if one thing doesn't work for one person, they can try a hundred more. And having these things that are accessible to us, I was speaking with someone in the Ayurvedic practice who had said, hey, based on the imbalances you're currently having, you would do really well with rose water. And kind of similar to some of what you said before too, about just looking at beautiful things and seeing art and spending time, listen to music that I really love and do just the things that inspire me. And it was a time where it was hard for me to physically get myself out somewhere to do that. But I could keep the rose water at my desk and, you know, spray that when I needed it. And it did make a difference. And it was also I was kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, I have to spray this. It's been quite a meeting. But I'm like, this smells really nice. I'm taking it with me throughout the day. It's so tied to emotion, just the sense that we have. But also just again, it's kind of, I've, I've heard people talk about it almost as like your first aid kit in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I have, I'm certified in psychological first aid. So <laughs> you should have, a, you can absolutely have a, a mother nature first aid or a holistic first aid kit and nobody has to know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, nobody has to understand it, but you. 
and and it can have all kinds of things in it. Um, lavender, you know, as in the, the rose and cinnamon, and you can have a number of different things in it. And it's a way to soothe yourself and, and comfort yourself and remind yourself of who you are and not have high blood pressure and not overreact or not have an emotional breakdown. So we want to uh, avoid burnout and emotional breakdowns. It's key to know yourself and have these tools. And so that's what I considered the 101 ways. I said, okay, after each chapter in the Art of Chilling Out for Women, I have to have a holistic prescription because those are what I consider the tools. Like your first aid kit, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, when you really think about it, you're providing way more than 101 tools in there. So there's a lot of really great ideas and things that we may not have thought about before to try out and see, hey, does this work for me? You know, my my rose water, lavender, my coworkers didn't know what I was doing. They thought it was maybe a nice perfume, and <laughs> but it made the difference for me and it was a nice thing to have. You're neutralizing negativity and reinforcing, you know, self-love and all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this smells nice. It's nice. But I'm sure it elevated their boots as well. Who doesn't like nice smelling things? Everybody does. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not one of those artificial smelling things. It's truly natural. And I think as long as people don't have an allergy, bring that into the space. So I love that. I'm so excited with your book. I am really excited to try out some of the prescriptions and, you know, someone that doesn't have as much experience with some of some of the herbs and with the feng shui as well. So just I think that there are a lot of great tools in the book that listeners as well are going to be t- able to take away from that. I'd love to ask you more about your book as well so that listeners can find it and connect with you. Before we do that, I have some rapid fire questions I love to ask the guests as well. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, my first one for you, we've talked about quite a few of them. You have 101 plus in your book, um, but what is your favorite self-care practice right now? Right now, I have really been into breathing, <laughs> doing breath work, and I've just become so much more aware of what I'm doing and how I'm responding with my breath to things that happen or to movement. So I've just, that's been something. And then prayer to me also has been the key and taking care of my headspace. <laughs> so so yeah. that's like three things, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm 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 working more of those things. Uh, those things yeah. are what I'm working on right now. <laughs> well, I think those three can very easily go together too. Yeah, because I think that prayer, you're setting an intention, you're putting that out there, and that does translate to your headspace. But I think breath work and, you know, really focusing on the breath, that brings the intention there. I think it also can be very helpful for prayer and for getting your mind into the right space to really get connected there, too. Absolutely. I love that. Well, those are all great practices. Now, if you had a one-word theme for the year, what would it be? Adaptation. Ooh. Yeah, adaptation. Just knowing that I I can, I will, and I'm capable of adapting to anything that may or may not occur in my favor or not in my favor, <laughs> that it's okay. Just to know that it's okay because I'll adapt to it. Yeah. I think that's a great affirmation. <laughs> Listeners take notes, but I, I think that that's, I mean, we're in a world where there is I mean, it always has been, but there's so much change. I think it's just accelerating more and more and being able to adapt and to do that with the grace that, you know, as you shared, I think there's there's such a benefit to that. It's going to make life a lot more enjoyable when we can. Right. And then the things that's so funny that you think are not in your favor are actually in your favor. <laughs> and you don't yeah. realize that at the time. <laughs> so that's why it's just like, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just had something personally happen that was it felt like a setback at the time. I'm not happy that it happened, but it is that thing that kind of, it was the nudge I needed because I knew, well, this hasn't been right for me. And this is something that I didn't love the way it happened, but I do think it was the universe finally saying, well, you haven't been listening. So here you go. It's going to be a little harder now, but it's the right thing for you. And I firmly believe that. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. That's ultimately in my favor. Um, And my final question for you, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, I am looking forward to a lot of things. Um, I'm really looking forward to expanding my knowledge and experiences 
about holistic health, especially a project that Sisterhood Agenda is doing for holistic housing, you know, um, based in wellness real estate concepts and permaculture. And I love that. I'm really excited about that. But I'm just also excited about travel and just new, new adventures, new experiences in general. That's amazing. I am very excited to see what's next for you and just to to see what's going on with the holistic housing and all of that. I'm definitely going to have to follow your adventures and we'll have to have you back on the show as well. Before I let you go, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find your book and other ways that they can connect with you? Sure, absolutely. Um, My newest book, and this is my 23rd book that I've published, (laughs) is called The Art of Chilling Out for Women. And it's 100 plus ways to replace worry and stress with spiritual healing, self-care, and self-love. And that's an Adams Media, Simon & Schuster publication that can be found at all bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. And um, more information about me can be found on my website, AngelaDColvin.com. And more information about my nonprofit organization that educates, supports, and empowers women and girls around the globe is Sisterhood Agenda. And that's SisterhoodAgenda.com or SisterhoodAgenda.org. Awesome. I'll make sure to link all that in the show notes. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing this wisdom with us and just this important message, these important practices that we can all integrate into our lives. So truly, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated your questions and the thoughtfulness in which you engaged with me. So I enjoyed it. What an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed Angela's book and the holistic and gentle approach she takes when it comes to our self-care. Sometimes I think we really beat ourselves up if we're not living up to this curated standard of self-care that we see on our Instagram feeds, but we really do need to be gracious with ourselves and recognize that even just a few seconds or minutes can make all the difference. So if you're struggling with stress and burnout right now, I highly recommend snagging a copy of Angela's book, The Art of Chilling Out for Women, so you can try her holistic prescriptions for self-care for yourself. I have linked all of Angela's information in the show notes, so make sure you connect with her to learn more. And if our conversation resonated with you, I'd love it if you left a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app to let us know what you think. Your reviews help others find the show and they allow us to continue to bring amazing guests like Angela. If you have a topic you'd like to see in a future episode, something you're struggling with, or just something you want to know a little more about, reach out to me on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog, or drop me a line at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at wellnessandwanderlust.net. Thank you again for joining me here today for episode 136 of this show. Be kind to yourselves and we'll talk soon.